Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the biggest week of the sports calendar. The start of hockey, basketball opening night, football, both college and pro in full swing, and the San Diego Padres are playing in the league championship series for some playoff baseball. You can use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 100% welcome bonus when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is a podcast. Happy NFL Monday, everybody. It is week six of the NFL season. Every Monday, we hit you with that NFL Monday recap show. Another fantabulous one coming at you today. If you want that college football recap, Alabama-Tennessee postgame show available on Wired Up 126. If you want all of my emotions poured out after the Padres beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, you can check out Wired Up 127, also available on this podcast feed. We recorded those over the weekend. Today is all about NFL Monday. Every week this year, I've said that every NFL Monday is another NFL Monday until Matt Rule gets fired, but Matt Rule's fired now, and Kenny Pickett's the starting quarterback for the Steelers, so I can't think of what the next inevitability to come true is in the NFL. Is it Cliff Kingsbury getting fired at this point? Is it every NFL Monday is one Monday closer to the next time we get to watch Josh Allen play Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? I don't know, what's the most inevitable event that's coming up in the future in the NFL? Because Matt Rule's gone and Kenny Pickett's starting, and those were the two unexplainable ones at this point. By the way, did y'all see Robbie Anderson get mad at Steve Wilkes on the sidelines of that Panthers game? There's no reason you should have watched the Panthers-Rams game. You could have consumed that entire game through clips on the internet. But the clip on the internet y'all should check out is that Robbie Anderson yelling at uh, Steve Wilkes on the sidelines for the Carolina Panthers. That was wild. Um, it's NFL Monday. Welcome in. It's going to be Buffalo and Kansas City post game for the bulk of the show. We're going to give out the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award and kind of use that segment to recap everything else that went down in the NFL this week, which is not a whole lot of meaningful stuff. I mean, there, there were results that are surprising and results that will have meaning at the end of the season. We just can't really gauge what the meaning of them actually is at this point. So we'll talk about some of that stuff later, but I want to talk about Buffalo and Kansas city because it's the game of the year in the NFL. It's one of the three matchups this season between teams that we regard as the five best in the NFL. Cause this year more than ever, Again, I, I I can't remember who at Pro Football Focus made this list, but someone who works there basically over 40 years graphed out the chart that there's basically five to six elite great teams every year in the NFL. There's five to six tanking teams, and then there's 
playoff caliber teams, average teams, below average teams, kind of in the middle. And those teams, you, there's distinction between the two. Like, we all know that the Chargers are better than the Broncos. It's not that significant of a difference between the Chargers and the Broncos. Any of those teams could beat each other on any given week because football is remarkably close within the margins for teams that all have a sub a standard base of very good players which like 20 teams in the NFL have very good players but basically there's five great teams there's five bad teams Buffalo Kansas City are by far the two best teams in the NFL Philadelphia San Francisco Baltimore are kind of like inching up behind them as like the other great teams who will you know, someone has to make the Super Bowl in the NFC this year. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but someone's got to make it from the NFC. And Baltimore is going to do their very best to to try and catch Kansas City and Buffalo and maybe steal a playoff game. But for the most part, Kansas City, Buffalo are the two best teams in the NFL. There's no game that's going to be better than this game the rest of the season. So we're going to take the entire NFL Monday to break down Buffalo and Kansas City, and that begins by playing the parody song that we made last week in inspiration for Buffalo and Kansas City, because the Bills won! The Bills beat Kansas City! Congratulations to Buffalo! Second year in a row you win the regular season matchup, and you did it doing what Kansas City does best better than Kansas City. Like last year when they played in, I I think it was week 6 or 7 in October, Kansas City was struggling to adjust to two high safeties and Mahomes was getting in trouble with turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. Buffalo whooped up on Kansas City in that game. This game, they beat Kansas City in a close game and they did it by doing the things that Kansas City does best, which is design quarterback runs, RPOs, and Josh Allen hitting 25 yards in the in 25 yards down the field to Dawson Knox on a play where he just bought just enough time with his legs the way that Mahomes does it all the time and it's one of the things we're going to talk about in the post game so Buffalo on this victory Monday for y'all let's play the parody song to Sun Goes Down by Lil Nas X that I wrote last week for Buffalo that we'll just play throughout the season and next season as Buffalo tries to make their mount for a Super Bowl because Buffalo's actually better than Kansas City for the first time in four years You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safety, you keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023 Oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide I just wanna dive 
Send me the call And I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I'm just gonna dive Send me the call And I'll throw the ball You throw a fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear Of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game So I want to just go quarter by quarter and in some cases drive by drive through this game. The first thing I want to talk about, though, is I'm not going to do analysis of turnovers because we've talked about this a lot before. You can chalk up a lot of NFL results to turnover differential because of how impactful turnovers are against top offenses in the NFL. When you commit turnovers, when you miss field goals, those operate sometimes as 10-point swings. And when the margins are so thin between these two teams, like Buffalo and Kansas City are so evenly matched, so overwhelming on offense. Buffalo has a better defense than Kansas City. It's not so much of a disparity that Kansas City is incapable of beating Buffalo, even though Buffalo has, going into the game, the second-ranked defense in the NFL, fourth-best passing defense, second-best rushing defense. Kansas City's defense, which is ranked 14th in the league, isn't so terrible that they're incapable of competing with Buffalo, because Kansas City has the number three rushing defense in the NFL. Their pass defense is ranked 22nd in the league. But Kansas City, and they talked about this during the broadcast, Willie Gay, who's their linebacker, had a six-game suspension for PEDs. He's back. Trent McDuffie, who is their first-round pick, who our friend Walter Mitchell was super-duper high on in his scouting coming out of the draft, and Rashad Fenton all have not been available for portions of the season for Kansas City. McDuffie went out week one. Willie Gay was suspended. Fenton missed this game. They had a rookie fourth-rounder, Josh Williams, and Jalen Watson, a rookie sixth-rounder, starting at corner for Kansas City. So, like, their defense is not so far away that they're— So when the margins are so thin, as Buffalo and Kansas City find themselves, turnovers can chalk up results in a way that matters a lot. And this game is far more interesting than the turnovers. So I just want to acknowledge— First drives of the game, Buffalo Bills fumble the ball in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes on a drive where right after the Bills fumble, I thought they should have kicked the field goal before going for fourth down, converting fourth down, and then on third and goal, Patrick Mahomes just tried to do too much and threw an interception in the end zone. On those drives, you can chalk up those turnovers to like, Yeah, when the margins are so thin like they were in this game, it makes a big difference. This game's far more interesting than talking about turnovers and the 10-point swings that resulted from that. So I'm going to acknowledge turnovers on the front end and not do deeper analysis from there. On that first drive where Kansas City throws an interception in the end zone 
after, uh, remember, uh, I think it was McKenzie had a football hit his face mask and Kansas City recovered on the first drive. I thought it was interesting how Kansas City came out and ran Travis Kelsey in motion, completed a 13-yard pass. Then they had Michael Hardman in motion for a 22-yard completion. Very next play, Hardman in motion again, 17-yard completion. And Kansas City runs a lot of motion, but it's mostly to, first and foremost, pick apart whether or not it's a man or a zone defense. Andy Reid's so good at offense that he has this identification of what they're going to run and kind of like preemptively makes play calls. We've heard Patrick Mahomes tell stories about that, uh, whether it be in press conferences, pre-draft preparation. Uh, He went on the shop and talked about how Andy Reid foretold the first zone coverage in a game against the Broncos and Kansas City turned it into a 50-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Like We know that Andy Reid has that ability there, but using motion is a great way for the players on the field to help identify whether it's going to be man or zone coverage on defense. And the first three big plays of the game, Kansas City runs motion to pick apart the Buffalo defense. Obviously, that drive doesn't turn into anything. By the way, they mentioned on the broadcast also, it was the first time this century that both Kansas City and Buffalo, or sorry, that both teams had red zone turnovers on the first possession. The fact that it was Kansas City and Buffalo is remarkable, which I guess is just a testament to them being able to get into the red zone in the first quarter in basically record time for both of those drives because Kansas City went like four for four for 70 yards. Buffalo went down the field five for five, like just moving down the field with no concern on the first few drives. And then for both of them to end in red zone turnovers, it was the first time that's happened this century. So after both teams commit the turnovers, and again, we're going to talk about turnovers again with the Mahomes interception and the game. After the turnovers, Buffalo goes down, kicks a field goal. There's no scoring in the first quarter. It's what I said when we did the pre-week analysis on Tuesday and Wednesday with Razor Rosenthal, which was both teams were going to try and dominate time of possession. Kansas City at one point had six and a half minutes to go in the half, and they ultimately ended up punting. In my mind, I was like, Kansas City ideally just imposes their will on that defense which again a great defense for buffalo so they ended up punting but i'm like kansas city just holds this for six and a half minutes maybe kicks a field goal maybe scores a touchdown kansas city just wants to run clock and control time of possession and buffalo tried to do this too i mean that field goal drive i think ended up being over four and a half minutes for buffalo when they started at the kansas city 20 and ran a field goal drive that went five minutes long which is a relatively speaking longer drive for Buffalo, especially when they still couldn't run the football. I still don't understand how Buffalo is just incapable of running the football. They did a they did an okay job today against Kansas City. Like Singletary averaged five yards a carry and didn't have more than fourteen yards on his longest run of the game. So like Buffalo did okay running the ball today. I just twenty nine carries as a team. If you count Singletary and Allen and James Cook, that's uh, thirty one carries as a team for a total of 125 rushing yards. It's not a a great rushing performance. That's like 4.3 yards a carry, which is kind of average. I don't understand how Buffalo is this type of rushing team when they have that quarterback, but they, they did call the Josh Allen do cool shit plays at the end when it came to running the ball, but they get a field goal and then the Chiefs do the stereotypical Chiefs thing. We've talked about this so much before about the thing that makes Patrick Mahomes better than any quarterback in the league is 
buying time for big plays to develop. And that happened on that touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster, where, according to my count, he had either 5.7 or 5.8 seconds, snapped a throw, hit Juju Smith-Schuster in stride, Buffalo misses a tackle, and all of a sudden a play that was already 25 yards through the air, Juju adds another, I think it was uh, 20 or 30 yards after the catch for a 50-yard touchdown. And Kansas City's up 7-3, to three. and that play is just like, okay, yes, that's what Kansas City does really well, is buying time for players to get open, and it's, I mean, this was the case with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and it's still the case now, is that it's just really hard in the modern NFL to defend players for that extended period of time. And, and I know I said we were kind of going drive by drive, but I want to skip ahead to a play in the fourth quarter where... When, can, when it's tied 17-17, right before Buffalo's going to get the ball back and go down to score the game-winning touchdown, in the 17-17 game, Kansas City has that field goal drive to make it 20-17. to And there was a play where it was 3rd and 12, where Buffalo rushed 4, and it was either Vaughn Miller or Phillips who gets into the backfield and Mahomes evades that one person and then gets protection from everyone else. And he's running around in the pocket and and he's held the ball for like seven, eight, nine seconds. And Buffalo, he scans the field three or four times. Buffalo's corners defend Patrick Mahomes from start, sorry, defend the Chiefs receivers from start to finish on that play. And Mahomes ends up running with his legs and getting tripped up for like a four-yard gain, which for Buffalo's sake is basically a sack. And the four-yard gain ends up leading to the Butker field goal, and that field goal ends up being the difference in the game. So the one time that Kansas City evade, I mean, Mahomes does it all the time, but the one time that they evade the sack and it doesn't turn into a positive play for Kansas City is the play that ends up changing the game. And it's like the one time in the entire game that I recognize Mahomes has eight, nine, ten seconds He's not in the red zone either. Like he he has 30 yards of space to work with and nothing came open because of how good Buffalo's secondary was at guarding McCole Hardman, guarding Juju Smith-Schuster, guarding MVS, guarding Sky Moore, and guarding Travis Kelsey. I think Pacheco was on the field for that play too, but guarding those players in the open field is something that ended up being the difference maker in the game. And you saw on the touchdown play, what Patrick Mahomes' greatest skill set is that separates him from other quarterbacks, and you saw it at the end that Buffalo was able to contain that one play. And so you have the flip up in the game where Josh Allen started the game, I believe, six for six, and then went two for 11 after starting the game six for six and this was the period where it looked like Kansas City had a chance to pull away had Josh Allen committed a turnover and it wasn't Buffalo punting the ball back to Kansas City it might have had a different result and Kansas City when they were holding Josh Allen to two for 11 passing they really missed on opportunities to score points like during that stretch it was seven to three Josh Allen went two possessions without being able to move the football. They punted. I mean, they kicked the field goal, then they punted. Then they had that drive where um, they got the ball at the three-yard line and then committed a false start, and they got pinned back at the one. And it was 7-3, and Kansas City just couldn't either, one, take advantage of it by 
milking more clock and keeping their defense off the field. B, which is the better option, scoring points. I felt like that was a big missed opportunity for Kansas City, given that Josh Allen went 2-for-11 on a possession where... So remember, the first drive of the game, Josh Allen pitches to McKenzie, hits him in the forehead. From the moment when Buffalo gets the ball inside Kansas City territory in the first quarter, where it's 0-0, second drive of the game for Buffalo, move the ball into field goal range, can't move the ball further, there's two incompletions, they kick a field goal, then they go three and out, then they get pinned back at their one-yard line. So for basically 15 minutes of football, for 15 minutes of that game, Josh Allen went 2-for-11 passing for 14 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And that led to a touchdown drive stalling with a field goal, a punt for Buffalo, and Buffalo getting pinned back with one minute to play in the second quarter at their own one-yard line with a third down and 11. And Kansas City, I felt like, didn't take advantage of those opportunities while they were there because then... From that moment, with one minute to go in the half where uh, it's second down after the false start and Josh Allen almost gets a safety, like there was almost, Josh Allen scrambles to avoid a sack and, and almost takes a safety at the end of the first half. From that moment onward, for the next three possessions, Josh Allen goes 13 for 13, 181 yards, two touchdowns. For the next 15 minutes after the 15 minutes where they went 2 for 11, Josh Allen went 13 for 13, 181 yards and two touchdowns. From that moment, and if you watch the game, you'll remember that moment with one minute to play in the quarter, it's 7-3 Kansas City, and Buffalo has third and 11 at the one-yard line. Because in that drive alone, Kansas City, by the way, called timeout thinking they were going to get the ball back. And they ultimately did, but they thought they were going to get the ball back off a punt that could have got positive field positioning with a minute to play, and they could go score another touchdown only needing to go 40 yards. With third and 11 at the one-yard line, with a minute to go in the half, Buffalo went 18-yard completion to Gabe Davis, 30-yard completion to, I believe, Dawson Knox, 15-yard catch to Stephon Diggs, 35-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. Four plays, uh, not 13 seconds. There was, uh, I believe, 16 seconds left in the half when they hit that touchdown to Gabe Davis. And both the plays to Davis and the one to Diggs, they were just targeting Joshua Williams, the, the guy who was replacing Fenton and McDuffie in the secondary, they were just targeting Josh Williams the whole way. Like, he can't guard Diggs one-on-one. He can't guard Gabe Davis one-on-one. They're not playing safeties over. We're just going to keep hitting those dudes over and over again. And that touchdown drive ended up making it 10-7. The amazing irony of Josh Allen going down the field, hitting Gabe Davis on a touchdown with 17 seconds to play, and then Patrick Mahomes getting the ball and in 12 seconds getting a field goal with 62 yards from Harrison Butker. Like, that was literally the playoff game from last year all over again. Everyone saw it. Everyone knew it. And I just saw that. I was like, 
wow, that game script that happened in the playoffs last year was way more probable than I thought it was. Because literally the Bills had the plan of we're going to possess the ball last. We're going to throw a deep touchdown to Josh Allen to Gabe Davis. One-on-one coverage again. Same kind of play where they just have Davis one-on-one and try and hit him in space. It worked again. Kansas City got it with 12 seconds. After Buffalo again pooch kicked it to avoid a return. Kansas City got down the field in two plays. Butker made a field goal, the exact same play all over again, and it was 10-10 at halftime, and it was amazing and fun, and Buffalo and Kansas City scored more points in the last 20 seconds than they did in the entire first 30 minutes of the game. All right, everybody, I am super duper excited to tell you about andcaller.com. You know how I always say, support our dreams on the show? And Caller is literally supporting our dreams. They are covering expenses for Blake, Jude, and I to meet up in Salt Lake City and watch Arizona play Utah. This road trip was a joke that Blake, Jude, and I came up with back in August. And thanks to And Caller, it's actually going to happen. If you go to andcaller.com, and there's a link in the description to this episode, you can shop all of your wardrobe needs. They've got shirts, polos, blazers, pants, socks, and more. My new wardrobe is coming in this week. Super excited about that. For our listeners, Andcaller is offering two promotions for you. Two promotions. Number one, all orders over $100, Andcaller is going to cover the shipping. $10 to $15 free. They'll cover the cost. And two, any orders of $40 or more will get a free tie when you use our promo code EASY. That's E-A-S-Y with the link in this episode at andcaller.com. That's andcaller.com. Support our dreams by supporting the people who are helping making those dreams possible. So then we come out of halftime, and it's 10 to 10. And remember, this is in the middle of that stretch I mentioned earlier where Josh Allen went 13 for 13, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. This is in the middle of that moment. So Kansas City gets the ball coming out of half. Butker misses the 51-yard field goal, which ends up being a 10-point swing in the game. Another 10-point swing in the game um, from the missed field goal by Butker. And Josh Allen goes right down the field and scores a touchdown. I believe that one was Diggs, if I remember correctly. I think that one was Stephon Diggs scoring a touchdown. And again, they just target Josh Williams, target Josh Williams, target Josh Williams on that run. And the missed Butker field goal ends up making it a seven-point game in favor of Buffalo. Whereas if Kansas City gets points out of that first half where they held Josh Allen to two for 11 passing... Kansas City has either a lead following that 13 for 13 stretch or Kansas City makes that field goal with Butker at the very least you're only down 17 to 13 and I think the Butker one's kind of evened out like the 62 yarder went in and then the 51 yarder went out like those two kind of evened each other out a bit because both of those are like 50% make probability types of kicks it just is points left on the field that you can actually account for and Buffalo didn't have that many points left on the table because they didn't commit turnovers. Yeah, they had to kick a field goal instead of get a touchdown on that second drive of the game. But for the most part, Buffalo finished off their opportunities. And the ones where they ended up 
not scoring was just because like Josh Allen took a couple sacks. I know there was the one where Chris Jones got a trip and probably should have been called a trip, but they just kind of were like, they took care of the chances they had and scored on pretty much all of them. Kansas City was the team that felt like missed some opportunities to uh, kind of put that game away in a couple of different points where maybe if it was the Kansas City team of old or they were playing a lesser opponent, they would have been able to charge back. But, you know, testament to Buffalo's defense on that one. So Buffalo goes up 17-10 to 10 with that long touchdown drive. And this is, again, part of Josh Allen. 13 for 13, 181 yards, two touchdowns between the second and third quarter from the moment when he was pinned back at his one-yard line, which is just like... Y'all already knew Josh Allen was amazing. That's just amazing shit from Josh Allen to go from you're down 7-3 minute to go in the first half and you're pinned at your one-yard line. Go 99 yards in less than a minute and then have a touchdown drive immediately coming out of the half. And against, again, a Kansas City secondary that's far from perfect and is also dealing with injuries, 13 for 13, 181 yards, two touchdowns is absolutely ridiculous. And then Kansas City has that touchdown drive um, where they make it uh, 17-17 right away again. Kansas City has this distinct advantage because of the skill they have at quarterback and tight end. Where Kansas City's ability, uh, having a Hall of Fame quarterback, having a Hall of Fame tight end, and having the amount of talent that they have with the skill position players. I know Tyreek Hill isn't there anymore. It still applies to the Chiefs team now, which is Kansas City's advantage in skill doubles as a greater advantage over their opponents. And I think it's why Kansas City and Buffalo are so far ahead of the competition when it comes to the best offenses in football. That level of talent doubles as an advantage because Kansas City can play four downs while other teams are playing three downs. And this happened on that touchdown drive that made me think about it, which was on second and 10, they called a run play to Isaiah Pacheco. I believe it was Pacheco. It might have been McKinnon. I, I'll double check that one later. But it was uh, it was either Pacheco or it was the one drive where Jarek McKinnon was getting the carries. What I found interesting with that call was, yeah, I believe it was Pacheco, but basically they go handoff for three yards, it's third and seven, and in my mind I always say second and ten run plays are terrible calls. I've watched so much college football where I see teams run on second and ten and I just get so frustrated because running on second and ten is basically conceding Unless you're you're using the run play to like the pass game and you want to get eight yards per run play, which is doable in college football. Michigan did it this weekend against Penn State. It's just a really lofty goal to hit is being able to run seven to eight yards a carry. Most teams sit in the three to four to five yard range. And so when you call run plays on second and 10, I look at that and I'm like, you're basically conceding the drive at that point. But when Kansas City does it, I look at that and I'm like, oh, they're clearly playing four down territory. And this happened with the Chargers last year where I'm like, they're clearly playing four down territory. So calling the run play like it's first down, but in reality it's second down. But if you're playing four downs, your second down is your first down. Then Kansas City has a greater advantage because they're playing with four downs, whereas everyone else is playing with three 
And Kansas, they showed this on the broadcast where Kansas City on third and longs has a 52% conversion rate, which is something I didn't even realize was the case until they kept mentioning it on the broadcast. 52% conversion rate from Kansas City on third and long. And Kansas City has a 60% conversion rate on fourth downs over the past three seasons. It's, it's a larger sample size. It's not a perfect sample size, but they have a 60% completion percentage on fourth downs over the past three seasons. And it's not perfect, again, because you, it doesn't take into account how long each fourth down play is and how long they're choosing to convert fourth downs on. If you say that on third and long, you convert half the time, and if you don't convert that, then you have a 60% chance of converting the fourth down play. That means that you're converting third and long 80% of the time, theoretically, under the best of circumstances, because 60%, basically, if you have a 60% conversion rate of a 50% chance on the first play, it means that your chances of converting on either third down or fourth down are equal to the conversion rate on third down times the conversion rate on fourth down. So basically, if you convert on third down, okay, you have a first down. If you don't convert on third down, then you have fourth down. So the 50% of the time, it's 48%, but for the sake of this conversation, the 50% of the time that you aren't converting third down, you call a play on fourth down, and you have a 60% conversion rate on fourth down, 60% of that additional 50% means that 30% of the time of all plays, you are on 30% of all third and longs, you are converting first down on the fourth down play, which means only 20% of the time are you not converting at all. And 80% conversion rate on third and longs, you can run that every single time and be an incredibly effective offense, but a more effective offense than most NFL teams are on third downs and first downs. Like most teams don't have an 80% conversion rate on first down plays. Kansas City's doing that on third downs if they go for it every time. Now the flip side is they obviously turn the ball over on downs if they don't convert it, so you play by field position. That's just a massive competitive advantage for Kansas City. And I imagine if you look at Buffalo's numbers or you look at Baltimore's numbers, you're going to see similar numbers over the past three to four years as what Kansas City has. I haven't crunched the data on that. I would expect that you're going to see similar numbers to what Kansas City is putting up on offense. And you can throw the Eagles in that mix too, but that's a really small sample size of third and fourth downs. I bet you the Eagles have only had two fourth down plays all year so it's a really small sample size to work with with Philadelphia's offense and I don't think that that I think we're going to need years of data on Philadelphia's offense to draw the same conclusions as we do with Kansas City and Buffalo and Baltimore the broadcast and that touchdown drive where Kansas City tied it at 17 made me think about how that's an amazing competitive advantage for Kansas City's offense if you know that on third and seven you're going to convert 80% of the time on either third or fourth down. And when we're talking about second and 10, you can call run plays, but you can also RPO those and have like the play where they, they call an RPO. It set up the touchdown drive where, I actually, no, it set up the field goal drive where they take the 20 to 17 lead. On second and 10, 
they call an RPO where they fake it to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Juju Smith-Schuster runs a direct slant route, like three yards up, then cut up slant route. And he beats, I believe it was Kyir Elam. It was either Elam or Johnson, but I'm pretty sure it was Kyir Elam. He beats him on the slant route. Mahomes pulls in the RPO and hits Juju in stride. And Juju has like 25 yards after the catch. And they take it inside Buffalo territory from like their own, I think, 25-yard line maybe. And watching that made me think, okay, that's a massive competitive advantage. When your second down is like your first down, and you can call that RPO play, or you can just run the ball with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, pick up four yards, and still be good on third and six because you know there's an 80% chance you convert on either third or fourth down. That's a great situation to find yourself in if you're Kansas City, as long as you don't take sacks, which brings us to the fourth quarter of this game because once it gets to 20-17, to Kansas City's in the lead over Buffalo. Uh, Kansas City's field goal drive then leads to the trip sack from Buffalo. Remember Chris Jones like trips Josh Allen and he's yelling at the referee about getting tripped and Buffalo has to punt to Kansas City. And in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, Kansas City's going to hold the ball for, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was six minutes at that point. Kansas City can hold the ball and maybe they'll score a touchdown. Maybe they won't. They can get close. And this is, again, coming off the drive I mentioned earlier where Mahomes bought himself eight to nine seconds. Nobody got open in the secondary, which is an incredible feat by the the Buffalo secondary. Mahomes only got four yards. Butker made the field goal, and now it's only 20 to 17. The immediate drive after that, Von Miller gets the sack that serves basically as like a half turnover, as I like to call it, because then Kansas City has to punt turnover back to Buffalo. And in this game, where those offenses have such amazing firepower and again can score 10 points in 16 seconds and then only score 34 points the entire other 60 minutes of the game, like when you have that level of offensive ability and the teams are kind of choosing to not play that type of style, it's a testament to that Buffalo defense that they were able to force Kansas City off the field the way they did. And I mentioned Von Miller getting a half turnover in a sack because it led to a punt that then led to the game-winning touchdown drive. And anytime we mention Von Miller, we got to play Von Miller's song here on the podcast, which comes from the Madden 17 ad campaign. It's my favorite commercial campaign of all time because Von Miller goes and sings Justin Bieber songs to sell video games. Take them all the way. 
Madden NFL 17. EA Sports. It's in the game. Just as a quick side tangent before we wrap up this game, Buffalo, I said at the start of the season and still feel this way now, the entire purpose of Buffalo's regular season is to get everyone healthy for the playoffs. The only games that matter for Buffalo are the games that they will play in the playoffs because they are by far the best team in the NFL. They will run through the AFC East, and at this point, they will probably finish with the number one seed in the AFC, and if Kansas City gets it, it's not the end of the world Buffalo is using Von Miller perfectly, perfectly on their team because Von Miller, for those who may not be aware, Von Miller is 33 years old. Buffalo signed him to a six-year contract, which means Von Miller is going to be playing in Buffalo theoretically. I mean, you can always cut players if things go poorly. Von Miller is theoretically going to play in Buffalo until he is 38 years old. And making $20 million a year. Not all against the cap, but just making $20 million a year. Buffalo has played Von Miller on a career low 65% of all snaps. Von Miller is not an every down player for Buffalo. He's played 65% of their snaps and still leads the team and is tied for second in the NFL in sacks. Von Miller is tied for second in the league in sacks, despite the fact that he's only playing 65% of his snaps because their goal is to preserve Von Miller for the playoffs. He already has, at this point, what is that? One, two, he has six sacks on the season. That might actually be tied for the league lead now. Von Miller has six sacks on the season, and Von Miller only plays on 65% of the snaps for Buffalo. They are preserving his health, and he is still making a significant impact on the field while making $20 million a year, Buffalo is managing Von Miller to perfection. And I'm sure part of that is Von Miller collaborating with McDermott and Leslie Frazier and the team. They are just doing a perfect job managing Von Miller. Clap to you, Buffalo, for seeing the bigger picture. That's a team that I think is, I mean, they're already the most talented team in football and they just beat Kansas City and all that stuff. Like they are doing this perfectly of like, we've done the regular season shit before. This is all about getting people healthy for the playoffs. Even as I watch them call like some batshit crazy run plays for Josh Allen, because you got to find a balance between protecting Josh Allen and letting Josh Allen do the things that make him able to just have a 20-point comeback against Baltimore last week, and we don't even bat an eye. I think that was two weeks ago, but just have a 20-point comeback against Baltimore, and we don't even bat an eye at how incredible it was. So then we get to the last drive of the game where uh, I'm just going to read the drive chart for Buffalo because it was just absolutely impeccable of how that drive ended up finishing out for Buffalo. So they get the ball off a punt with 531 after the Von Miller punt. Josh Allen, completion to Gilliam for eight yards, moves it to the Buffalo 32. Devin Singletary, one-yard run. Still don't understand how they're so bad at running the football. How is it possible for four years they've had Josh Allen and their running game is just ass without Josh Allen? Just Again, Devin Singletary wasn't awful today. They, they averaged four yards a carry as a team, which is average. 
and they showed it on the broadcast. Buffalo, early on in the season, has the 14th-ranked rushing offense in the NFL, and Josh Allen's the best running back on that team, which is a damning indictment of the running backs on that team. But uh, the, the running backs, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, have been a damning indictment of the Buffalo Bills for years now. Um, then you have the fourth down where Josh Allen QB sneaks to get the first down. So they, they've run two and a half minutes off the clock to get 11 yards. Josh Allen pass completed by Stephon Diggs for five yards. Josh Allen scrambles for three yards. So now there is two minutes and 21 seconds to play. They've just taken three minutes and 20 seconds off the clock, and they have moved the ball 18 yards down the field. Third and two, Josh Allen, 11-yard completion to Stephon Diggs. Now they have the ball at Kansas City's 46. So again, 18 yards. They moved 18 yards and killed three and a half minutes off the clock. Down three with five minutes to play. Completion to Stephon Diggs for 11 yards. Josh Allen incomplete pass. Josh Allen complete to Stephon Diggs for 18 yards going into the two-minute warning. That was just an excellent pass. He had so much protection. Stephon Diggs was open. There were two safeties in a corner. There was a safety in a corner trying to come in on him, and Allen threw it so hard that it got to Diggs two steps before either of them could catch him, and Diggs sliding into the ground just made sure that he made the catch. Just fantastic. So now you get to the two-minute warning. You're already in the red zone. Touchdown takes the lead. Field goal ends up winning. Or Sorry, touchdown takes the lead. Field goal ties it, and you can run clock also. Josh Allen, negative two-yard rush. I'm sorry, there's a play in between. Josh Allen rushes for 16 yards, longest carry of the game, out of the two-minute warning, leaped over a defender. He hurdled a dude. I mean, he did it in the playoffs last year, but he hurdled a dude for the longest carry of the game on the first play coming out of the two-minute warning. And on the first play coming out of the two-minute warning, they called a design run for Josh Allen rolling right. He hurdled a dude and got the longest carry of the game, getting it to the 12-yard line. Then Frank Clark got the loss. They killed 40 seconds off the clock, and then he hit that beautiful touchdown to uh, Dawson Knox, which is the second time this year I've watched a play and like the ball like tips off the finger of a leaping corner. One of them was when Kyler Murray completed that two-point conversion to A.J. Green in week two, where I just marveled at how the slow motion replay shows the ball like nick the very top of the middle finger of the glove of the Raiders safety, like literally within half an inch. Kyler Murray put that pass where A.J. Green could get it for the two-point conversion. And then this was another one of those where you watch Josh Allen throw it right over the safety's head, outstretched finger by about an inch, right to Dawson Knox, touchdown, Buffalo wins, and then Josh uh, Patrick Mahomes throws an interception that was just a play that, if it gets dropped, Kansas City gets a second chance, and uh, because it didn't get dropped, Kansas City ends up losing, and uh, Buffalo won. Little play like that ends up being the difference maker and could totally be a difference maker in a playoff game. 100%. Mikol Hardman also messed up on one play, and Tony Romo called it out on the broadcast where Mikol Hardman had a mistake where he ran too far and the pass was incomplete for 30 yards. He should have just came back to the ball 
and it would have been a 25-yard completion on the play right before the Mahomes interception. So little things like that end up being the game-ender for Kansas City. And Buffalo wins. Buffalo wins a regular season game in Kansas City. They were favored. Kansas City left points on the board, and Buffalo walks away feeling really freaking good about themselves. It was amazing. It was fun. It had everything. It was the best matchup you're going to see all season, and if it's not the game of the year, it's right up there with the best football games of the year. So good that they were worthy of a 50-minute breakdown and a celebration of both Kansas City and Buffalo coming out of that amazing football game because they are by far the two best teams in the NFL, and everyone sees it and everyone acknowledges it, and they should, as our friend Chris Cluey former punter for the Vikings said on Twitter, that game should be the Super Bowl. That game and that matchup should 100% be the Super Bowl. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safety, you keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023 Oh, I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I just wanna dive Send me the call And I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I'm just gonna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. everybody as we do every nfl monday it is time to award our philip rivers memorial kirk cousins purgatory award the philip rivers memorial kirk cousins purgatory award celebrates 
the team and the quarterback who found themselves in Kirk Cousins purgatory this week. Which, for those of you who are new to the show, as always, Kirk Cousins purgatory is being down six points with no timeouts, one minute to play, and needing to go 75 yards to win the game. Sometimes people succeed, sometimes they don't, but Kirk Cousins and Phillip Rivers made an entire career out of being in that purgatory. This week, our Kirk Cousins purgatory situation never happened anywhere. There was no true Kirk Cousins purgatory situation. I reserve the right to change that if Broncos country lets ride versus the Chargers whose six best players are all injured goes into a Kirk Cousins purgatory situation. So if there is a change, we'll update it. But we'll go with the closest thing to it this week, which is Trevor Lawrence for the second week in a row found himself down seven points with 20 seconds to play, no timeouts, and needing to go 75 yards because the Jacksonville Jaguars gave up the lead against the Indianapolis Colts in a AFC South game that was a true AFC South moment. By the way, the New York Giants are five and one, and uh, we're not. None of y'all are prepared to talk about five and one New York Giants, so we're just going to avoid it at this point. The five and one New York Giants have a point differential of plus fourteen. The two and four Jaguars have a point differential of plus twenty-four at this point in the season. If you want to know why none of y'all are allowed to talk about the Giants yet, I will maintain the same point as last week. New York Giants make the playoffs over Arizona or Dallas or New Orleans or Detroit. Someone's getting fired in your organization. Somebody's got to get fired for any of those teams. That's why I said Cliff Kingsbury might be the first coach to get fired, y'all. The New York Giants are 5-1 with a plus 14-point differential. And Jacksonville's 2-4 with a plus 24-point differential. Because they gave back the game against the Colts today. Matt Ryan had a game-winning drive in what one person called a return to form for the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan. It was a game-winning drive. He threw 58 passes. I didn't know the Colts' offense was capable of throwing 58 passes. But Matt Ryan threw 58 passes, had a game-winning touchdown to Alec Pierce. And also on that game-winning drive, tripped over his own offensive lineman and fell to the turf in a sad, rotting corpse of Matt Ryan moment. So Matt Ryan led the comeback, and Trevor Lawrence, for the second week in a row, finds himself in Kirk Cousins' purgatory because that seems to be the team the Jaguars are this year. They are uh, Trevor Lawrence's team, and Trevor Lawrence uh, finds himself in Kirk Cousins' purgatory because, like I said at the start of the year, the Jaguars are probably the best team in the NFL that is not trying to tank. Although that might be the Steelers this year. The Steelers might be worse than the Jaguars. I mean, they're kind of about the same, but Steelers and Jaguars are like, we're headed for the seventh or eighth pick in the NFL draft this year. We are the best teams in the NFL that are not actively tanking because we're better than Houston. We're better than Carolina. We're better than Washington. We're better than Chicago. And uh, that's the best thing we can say about our teams this year. So, yeah, Jacksonville has a better point differential than the New York Giants. And we're just not ready to talk about 5-1 and New York Giants yet. I know they beat Baltimore. I know I said this would be the regression to the mean week. And Baltimore, God damn it, Baltimore, stop throwing up on yourselves. Stop throwing up on yourselves so much. You were up 10 points with six minutes to play against the godforsaken Giants. And Lamar Jackson threw a pick and then fumbled at the end of the game. Stop throwing up on yourselves, Baltimore. 
You're so much better than the Giants, and you proved it today. Stop throwing up on yourselves. You did it to to Miami. You kind of did it against Buffalo, although Buffalo's better than you, so I give you a little bit of a pass for blowing a 20-point second-half lead on that one. Stop throwing up on yourselves, Baltimore. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's all I have for today. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. We'll have more podcasts, more guests, more fun stuff coming at you this week whether it be in baseball or football or the start of basketball season and what I basically figured is the best sports week of the year. So it'll probably be sports intensive this week. Um, We'll see what ends up happening if there's a, a big story that I have time to dive into. But thanks for stopping in, everybody. And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties. You keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way. Gonna get past Kansas City. Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game.